Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Women Emerging podcast. I'm Julie Middleton, Director of Women Emerging. Every week I speak with women around the world of different ages and in different sectors about how they lead, because we need many more women leading in the world today. We explore how women lead differently and do it their way, which is authentic, fulfilling and highly effective. Hi, I'm Julia Middleton, Director of Women Emerging and your podcast host. Over the last few weeks, we've been tracking some of the content of the book, the Women Emerging book. If I, if that's leading, I'm in. We've looked at a number of different themes, but particularly over the last few weeks, the things that when you start leading, you have to learn to combine. Things that often don't seem possible to combine, but that you have to combine when you're leading. Monse has some further things that she thinks need combining. Um, the ability to delegate and yet to control at the same time. A combination that she learnt at the age of 18 in an orphanage in Mexico. And then she suggests also combining being grateful and knowing your own worth, something that she learnt in the following five years when her profile increased and she found herself in New York rather than in Mexico and at UN conferences rather than in an orphanage. So um, let's start, I think, with Monsi talking about or describing herself as a Malala generation, as a young woman entirely inspired by the example of a young woman the other side of the world from her. I remember, Monsi, when we first met, that you described yourself as part of the Malala generation. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so Malala and I are the same age. And when like she, she has been my inspiration since I first heard about her story when I was in middle school. At that time, she was writing for the BBC under a, like another name for her safety. And... I remember just thinking, well, if Malala is fighting every day to get her education and to not like to not only get her education for her, but for the rest of the girls that are like in her country, in her community, in her city, in, in her in her country, how what can I do this other 12-year-old girl that was in the opposite side of the world, what can I do to help other girls come closer to the privileges that I have? So that meant that I was able to go to school because my parents supported my education. My father did as well. Um, my, my professors, they all believed in me the same way they believed in all of my classmates. And 
I, I know that that is a privilege, like being able to go to school and know that I have the same opportunities that the rest of my classroom. But at the same time, there was a lot of violence in the city that I that, that I was that I grew up in in Tampico. At the time, there was this big drug war and there were shootings and there were bombings all the time. So there were days that I could not physically go to school. And at the time, there was no like Zoom or or like the way that we can take classes now. And we had to stay at home and we lost days of school. And I've always loved school. And I would only think of Malala. And I was like, this is how she must feel. But 10 times more because they are like bombing her whole country. There's a lot of things going on. And like she is still putting her life at risk, raising her voice. So I was like, what am I going to do? It was always education that was always like in the back of my head being like I I want people I want more children like me to be able to have access to education because it is the only thing that nobody can take away from you the experiences that you live the education that you receive and the knowledge that you have nobody can take that away from you my family lost our house our home my parents job um, our income we lost people that we loved but my education, my knowledge, the languages that I already spoke, the things that I knew that I wanted to do, my passions, my eagerness to want to like come out of the situations that we were in, those things, like I brought those things with me. That's what took you to the door of the orphanage. Exactly. So it's like, okay, I may not have the resources to come and like rebuild the whole orphanage and just like, you know, like pay everybody their school, but I can come and plant these seeds of hope. When I arrived to the orphanage, I was a I was a stranger. Like the girls there did not know me. The girls didn't trust me in in a. I mean, they would trust that somebody was coming to do an activity, but there was no relationship between the group or the girls individually and myself. The director comes into the room, calls all the girls. They all sit down, and suddenly all the like all the hype, all the energy that I was feeling as soon as I came in. Like they turn like it turned down and they were all like super quiet, just like staring at me and, and the team that I was bringing with. And they were like super quiet. They were super shy. So what started happening is that I started talking individually with some of the girls and in smaller groups, trying to understand why were they behaving the way they were behaving. And then when they were in smaller groups, they also had a little bit more confidence in sharing about their personal stories or sharing a little bit more about uh, what they dreamed or what they liked because they still did not know what they wanted to do in, in the future. They didn't, they had never been asked what they wanted to do in, in a future because I, in, in the position that those girls are in uh, when they arrive to the orphanage, they live day by day. So they don't know if they're going to be in the orphanage or if some of the girls are going to be taking back home with their families, or if they're going to have a foster family, or what is going to happen with them. So I also had to learn to understand the minds and the life stories of the people that I was working with. Because I many times we don't know the, the story of the people that we're working with in organizations or in companies or in groups, or even when you meet a new friend. So as I started not only working with them, but also sharing part of my story with them that started creating these bridges of like trust that it was not only them 
sharing their personal stories or their struggles or their challenges with me. But they were also seeing that the person that was coming with them had similarities because I had also gone through challenges or I had also gone through difficulties in my life that they could find ways to connect. And it was both in the struggles parts and then when I start sharing some of my dreams or the things that I like to do with my friends or the things that I like to do when I was their age, they started like, oh my goodness, I also love playing with my dolls or I also love playing tag. I also love doing handcrafts or painting or doing any other sort of art or like dancing. So as we start sharing information with each other, we created these connections that allowed the Monse who was coming here as the leader to direct and to lead the group to do and participate in the things that I wanted them to participate. And it was it was challenging at first because they didn't know like why were we doing some of the activities, but also helping them understand the reason why we were doing certain things. So I did not want to like come to the place and being like, we're going to do this, this and that. Thank you for participating. Goodbye. Like that's the only thing that I did not want to do. I really wanted to create this like community and collaboration between the girls and my, me and my, like the team and me and the people in the leaders that were already in the, in the place, like directors, the principals and the rest of the staff. So learning how to create these bridges and understanding that no matter the role that you have, it's an important role and that the people that you're there with are the people that at the end become your family because you see them all day. You see them all the time and then you have to trust each other and you have to be a trustworthy person for you to be in a space where you feel comfortable. The other thing that you learned about leading, which I was fascinated, and that comes back to this delegating and controlling, mm -hmm. was that amongst these 35, there were two or three real troublemakers. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I wrote down what you said about them. The only thing they were good at was being mean. The only yes. thing they were good at was being mean. Mm -hmm. So... But your instinct with them was to delegate to them. Yes. Yeah. So, like, the and the only thing they were good at that they showed me at the beginning was being mean. Because I knew they were good at several other things. I mean, they were good at leading, leading disasters, but they were good at leading them. But the thing is that it was like, okay, they have a lot of energy. Many girls follow them. It might be exciting. It might be something new. It might be something different that's asked for. So, of course, I guess they wanted to feel like this rush of doing something that was not allowed or just like running away from the activities or disappearing from the room. So it was like, okay, I can't come and just be like, you're going to be put in timeout or you're not going to participate because then that's creating this barrier in between those girls and the girls that were there. And it doesn't mean that one was better than the other. They just had different, uh, like different motivations of being there. And I remember that 
when I was when I was little and I used to go to school and I remember that there were like I had a couple of classmates that had similar uh, behaviors that the teachers would usually use these children to help them set up the room they would be given like very specific responsibilities in the room like to to use their energy and they were the ones that gave us all the tags to line up before recess or they were the ones that made sure that all of our shoes were lined up correctly and go call the people like the person that did not have their shoes in the right place so I remember that from my childhood and I was like I'm going to try this from like from Miss Monica when I was little so like I started doing those same things with these three girls Sophia please help me out call these girls and put them in teams of 10 so asking in a polite way but without giving them the option of would you like to do this or not they were like oh like she is also trusting me to do something and that I'm going to do it well so it was like I know that you're really good at leading would you mind please putting the teams in groups of 10 so then she was like oh she knows that I'm good at leading I'm gonna show her that I am good at leading so then she was also like happy that she was doing something that she felt that she was good at being part of it because at the end I generally feel that everybody wants to feel that they belong like that we all belong to something so by pushing her aside or by reprimanding her she was going to feel left out but and I was going to feed on to her like leadership in the negative way and I just wanted to switch that because I did not want her to feel left out because I did see that in the orphanage Many times those girls were put aside or they were not allowed to participate in my activities because they had been misbehaving. But I was like, no, I still want them. And as days went by, they just like started coming closer. They started participating. It was even as a game, you know, like you three have to set up this, but without talking, like you can't use your voice. You have to use, I don't know, your hands or your body language to explain the next activity. And we have to go line up outside in a very long line. So it was even in a fun way that they had to think of, of, of ways instead of just like screaming or using what the the tools or the, the ways that they used to lead, they had to also start thinking of other ways in which they could also lead. Being able to introduce them to other ways in which they could also be seen and heard without having to do always the same thing was something beautiful to just like witness and it, they were not only the three girls that were like in the spotlight all the time but it was in a way in which they could be included and they were also more gentle and they were kinder so those teachers showed you the power of delegating mm -hmm. and you used it by the sounds of it, to extraordinary effect. Thank but you. It was it was delegating, but also. So, how did you delegate and yet at the same time combine that with controlling? Why did you feel the need to, and why is it so important to do both? We had a schedule. Let's say we had a schedule to follow, or we had activities or certain lessons that I wanted to make sure that the girls took. Let's say one day we're going to learn about teamwork. So if we wanted to make sure that we covered teamwork during that day, because also we only had a couple of weeks to do the to do the whole program, if we wanted to work around teamwork, there were things that had to be 
that had to be done. And we always found it more challenging when things did not have order. And it was more difficult to learn or to listen or to even enjoy because there was no like thing to follow. There was no, there were no rules. Uh, people were just like running around and it, it sometimes felt that we were not going anywhere. I think that's something that I, that I learned that the control of a leader is important because I had the vision of what we needed to do of, of what had to be done because we had this, I had this clear vision, but I also had to be open and clear with that vision with the group and explain to why are we doing these things and helping the whole group, helping, controlling, supporting the group to follow this vision. And when something went wrong, to try to pull them back in and being like, okay, so this is what we're doing and this is the reason why. So at the end, we can reflect on if you liked it or did not like it and what can we change for the future, but only if there is this structure because when there were days when there was no structure or no or no vision or no like step way in, into getting into that goal of the day, it was very difficult to to manage and to control to control the whole group. So yeah, it's 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 important to have as a leader to have this this control, but this control that's based in trust, not just because I want to, but because there's there's a reason behind the like the instruction that was given or the the goal that was set at the beginning of the day. It sounds like an extraordinary experience being in that orphanage. That's I mean, that's a very elegant thing to learn to do. And you learned it at 18, didn't you? That ability to combine both when to let go, when to hand over power, when even hand over power to the people who, who in theory would um, waste it or abuse it or, or throw it back at you. Yeah. And at the same time as giving away power, or giving away energy, you're also keeping energy and controlling energy so that people have a strong sense that they're actually getting somewhere. Yes. And of course, it's very hard. It's not like here we're just like talking about it, like, oh, yes, this is what I did. This is what you can do, blah, blah, blah. And, but of course, it's super hard. There were days that I cried, like, and there were days that I cried in front of them, like, this one time that I was like, how am I going to do this? Like, this is, this is crazy. Like the energy was like so high. Like the people were just like running around all the time. They were not listening. I tried like to call their attention. They would like listen for 30 seconds. And then they would like start talking again or just like standing up and moving around. And I was like, what's happening? But that day I was also feeling very anxious. I was, I did not like come to myself I did not explain what we were going to do at the beginning I just like arrived I, I got there late and it was like okay we're gonna do this this and this and I kind of like forgot what I had learned so of course that when when you're a leader people in your team like they they get your energy and it's harder for people like if they see that they're a leader or that they're like that's in that happens everywhere whether it's your teacher at school if it's your your boss at your job if it's your leader at any activity it, even if it's your parents in your home like if you feel that somebody is not feeling well and if, if, if you are a leadership role 
you start like penetrating your energy into the people that are around you. And it doesn't mean that it's only your responsibility. Of course, we all have to work to know how to set like limits and work our energy and our behavior and everything. But as leaders, now that we're like talking about that, it's very important to know that our energy, to, to be aware that your energy will affect the people that are around you because people look look for you for whether that's like help or leadership or your your role model in the space that you're in so if they see that you come in calm and prepared prepared exactly on time that you're there because you like it not you're not there because it was because i had to finish my social service hours it was like no that had nothing to do you know i i just went there because i wanted to i'm here because i am enjoying what i do there are days where i'm not gonna feel very well and the days that the one of the days i even had like like period cramps and i was not feeling well but there was also some trust that had been built and i was like you know what today i'm not feeling very well but i was still calm and i still understood that i was still there and if i showed up I have to do the best that I can. Even if that day my best was 80% of what I usually give, it was going to be the best 80%. So I was there. I explained to the girls how I was feeling. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt that you have to be, like that you that you are in a space and you're not feeling okay? Well, that's how I'm feeling today. Like let's And did find the troublemakers not take advantage of Did the troublemakers not take advantage of that? You, no, I don't know if to call it luck. <laughs> but no they they were no they they ended up because at the end they're they're good girls and they they just have had never been asked or taken into consideration in in situations like that they were always expected to behave wrong they were always expected to be the ones that were screaming so that's why they would like not allow them to participate in some activities because they already knew how they would behave so they were not always given chances to be other versions of themselves. And I think that I can proudly say that I allowed them to be other versions. And I think they enjoyed being also kind versions of themselves and being like, okay, she doesn't feel well today. And I think that day actually was one of the first days that they kind of like, oh, she's not, she's not only coming to like come and tell us what to do. But she's also someone someone that does not feel well, all, like all the time. I think that's what leaders should do, like create these spaces for people to not always feel 100%. Because it's impossible for all of us humans to always feel 100%. But sometimes we still need to show up. You can still do things. Let's, let's move on. Fast forward mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. So you, you've left the orphanage. Mm -hmm. And now you are going to UN conferences. Yes. <laughs> I was fascinated by your sense that you have to show both that you're grateful and that you know your own worth. And, mm -hmm. and, and I suppose the word ego is sort of weaves through this combination in a very interesting way. But... Why did you use the word grateful? And then we'll come back to knowing your own worth. But tell me first about grateful. Okay. So I, I've 
ever since I can remember, this like sense of gratitude with everything that has happened in my life, with everybody that surrounds me, and with every single place that I've been, like this sense is what I feel has brought like so much and I love to call it like like magic into my life like has that has been able to bring all of these extraordinary opportunities that I'm sometimes like how am I in this space or how was I invited to give a talk in this um in this platform or get this award or whatever it was it's like how did this happen it's like of course of course I was prepared of course I have the experience but what has allowed me to keep these beautiful relationships with the people that I work is because I've always been grateful with them. And when I talk about gratitude, is it's because I haven't, like, everything that I've been able to do in my life, I feel that I am this, like, puzzle of all the interactions, of all the life lessons, of all the energy of the people that has been around me when I'm happy about something when I get news whether it's a good news or not very fortunate news or whatever it is I always go back and I think of every single person that has been part of this of my story that has helped me be where I am today like being able to discover a new passion like I'll, I'll go back and and say thank you to the first ballerina that I saw. If and I'll write them on Instagram, whether they respond to me or not. And I'll send emails to my professors that were my teachers from years ago. I will thank my teacher from like I once had this teacher that told me that I was never going to learn how to speak English. And now I speak six languages and I translate English to the United Nations. You know, but it's these reminders, and I still love the teacher. It's interesting because you almost say that that one of the secret sources of leading is to be grateful. Yes. In in my personal story, I could sign it that yes, like being grateful, but being like genuinely grateful. Like I, I feel it. I even get excited when I'm talking about speaking about gratitude. It's like we are all where we are. Because we're a combination. Like, how many people we meet during the day in our lifetimes? How many people have taught us lessons? How many, like, you know, even a stranger's video, we go on our Instagrams and we see this inspiring video that sparks an idea. And then we're like, oh, like, I want to do this too. So maybe I might never meet them in person in my life, or they might, we might never know of each other's existence. But it was thanks to that thing that they said, to those words that they spoke, to, this project that they did to this trip that they made that it sparked something in me and it might help me get to wherever next I want to go I don't know like we can always um learn from being grateful putting your ego aside and also knowing your worth and well wait a minute let's stop because people who are always grateful but mm -hmm. don't know their own worth mm -hmm. That's tricky. Yes, it could be it could be challenging to be taken seriously if you're only grateful without knowing your worth. Yeah, I I'm thinking as in let's say this I'm going to 
like share the version of Monza that used to be a couple years ago before I started. And it's something that I still work on every day, like on, on knowing my value and my worth and what I bring to the table when I'm working in teams. But I'm, I think I could consider myself being a very kind person. Like I love helping people. I genuinely feel very happy when I can be of help for somebody else, when I can support other people, when I know that when I'm around, people can feel calm, people can be themselves. I, I, I've I, been able to see that because other people started telling me and I didn't believe it at first. And then when I was like, okay, that's right. Yeah, this is, this is true. And I can start embracing it. That's when I realized that there were also people that could take advantage of that. And that's something that I was not able to see because I did not understand my worth before that. So if there was people who, who start asking for many things from me, and I would always say yes, because, you know, that's what kind people do. We say yes for every single thing. But being kind, knowing your self-worth, being grateful, and knowing how to set your limits don't have to like they're not they don't go against each other and it's like they don't have to go against each other it's like you can still be very kind you can still be very grateful but you can still set your limits and being like you know what i'm very grateful for this opportunity thank you so much for allowing me to be in this space or thank you so much for trusting me to do this project but at the moment this is my load work this is what i'm working on right now and maybe if it's something that I really want to do and I can still do it in the near future, then we can talk about it maybe in a month or, you know, at the beginning of the following year, maybe we can talk about it. Or if it's something that I don't really want to, to do or work on because it does not align with my values or with who I am, I'm going to still be thankful with you because you gave me the opportunity, but I'm still going to say no. Or I'm, at least I'm practicing in saying no, you know, to the things that I don't feel connected to. And it takes a lot of work because every time I say yes, there is something else that I'm saying no to. So I need to make sure that I'm not saying no to things that truly align with myself because there are only so many yeses that I can say or that we all can say yes to if we want to be 100% in the space or if we want to be fully ourselves in an experience. And if we are split into so many yeses, then we're not going to be able to to really enjoy a particular experience or do well a particular job. The more we try to do things, we're going to do something wrong in one of them. So practicing to being kind, being grateful, and setting limits, and at the same time knowing your worth. You are grateful, but equal. Yes, yes. Perfect way of putting it. Yes, you are. I am grateful for you giving me this opportunity, but I know that Yes, like knowing your worth and knowing the other person's worth and knowing that you're not either less or more than the other person that is helping you out. And no, I think to that be to be grateful doesn't mean that you're less. Exactly. It means that you're equal. Yes, and that you can see the value in the other person the same way that you know that the other person is seeing the value in you. So that's beautiful. It's yeah it's it is it is beautiful thank you monse um yours is a beautiful story
and a, an increasingly beautiful story. Uh, I am overwhelmed at what you had already learnt by the age of 18. Malala, it seems to me, not just inspired you in your thinking, but actually in your doing. It took you to turn it to action, to go and knock on the door of your local orphanage. And that was a remarkable and wonderful thing to do. And, and I suppose it also got you through that door that when it, it meant that you walked through that door when it opened years later at the United Nations. And you chose to go through that door with not an ounce of imposter syndrome, merely a deep sense of gratitude combined, as you say, with a deep sense of your own self-worth. Both doors opened um, and of course behind them you learnt, you learnt about things that most of us are still struggling with, you know, decades on, the ability to combine delegating and controlling and maybe things that certainly I, decades on from you in my life, um, perhaps have never quite understood or realised the ability to combine grateful and knowing your own worth and being an equal, an equal. Uh, this has been a wonderful episode. Thank you so very, very much. Next week, we move away from the book, if that's leading I'm in, and we move on to talk to Priyanka. And Priyanka's going to talk for about two or three episodes. It, these episodes came out of the fact that Priyanka phoned me, I can't remember how many months ago, from Botswana, and said, we're enjoying the podcast episodes. And I said, thank you so much. Um, who is we? And she said, me and my nine-year-old daughter. We listen to the episodes and then we talk about leading. And I just, I jumped all over Priyanka and said, Priyanka, you have to write down on a piece of paper all the conversations you had because I really, really want to do a series of episodes on conversations with my nine-year-old daughter about leading. So that's what next week starts. In the meantime, sending lots of love, Julia. There's also loads more you can learn from other women if you go to our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org. Over time, we are determined to redefine leading so that more of us can say, if that's leading, I'm in. Really